we're focusing on the death of Jesus. That one moment. And, and I'm going to talk about what all that means and, and what it means for you and me. And uh, it's going to be a really powerful night tonight where, as they mentioned, at the end, we'll have the opportunity to take literally nails and hammers and nail our sins to the cross tonight and share communion together. So before we dive into all of that, I would just like to pray one more time as we go into the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, again, we just want to say thank you. Thank you that your presence is so clearly here. And there's a, there's a genuine desire I can sense in the room to, to be near to you and to hear from you and to honor you and to remember what Jesus did on the cross. And uh, these songs have just really stirred up our hearts of uh, the reminder of what he did on, the powerful things he did on the cross, the sacrifices he made and uh, what that means for us, God. So we're humbled again tonight. We're humbled to know that your love went to that length for us. And so, God, we open our hearts to what you would have to say. As we have already, God, your spirit's already moving, and we just want to say yes to it, and that you would minister to our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so as I said, tonight is kind of a somber night. Because we're looking at the actual death of Jesus. It's kind of a mournful time. Because Jesus died on a Friday. Today is Good Friday. That's why they call it Good Friday. Because he died on Friday. Three days from now is going to be Easter Sunday when he rises again. And we're going to have a party in this church. I hope you can come back on Sunday morning as well. But tonight, we remember the actual moment that Jesus died. And I want to tell you, even though it was a sad time. It is also one of the most powerful moments in all of history, with no exaggeration, tied in with the the resurrection on Sunday. This one moment that we're going to look at tonight is the most powerful moment in all of history. And I want to tell you why. We're going to dive into all that. But first, I want to share with you, um, as I was praying a couple nights ago about what God would have me to share tonight, God gave me a vision I don't want to share that with you because it's kind of the foundation tonight for, for what God asked me to share. And it's this vision of a whole bunch of people running around a track. Just a regular old track like, you, you know, at the high school football field, on the outside of the football field. You run four laps in high school, you know, and you, it makes, makes a mile. It's one of those tracks. And there's just all these people running around a track and it has no finish line. It's just endless running around and round, around. And the people on the track and this vision that God gave me are constantly looking for purpose and things like happiness and love and the meaning of their life. And every time they think they have it or they find it, it turns out to be empty, a false promise, or, or even a painful experience. And so they take another lap, and then they take another lap, hoping that this time they'll find what they're looking for. And it's just this never-ending cycle that just wears you down and wears you down until you can't run anymore and you die. That's the vision God gave me. Now, obviously, this vision is a metaphor, right, for our world, the world that you and I live in today. It's also the world that Jesus came into 
2,000 years ago, he was born into this world of people just running around the track, looking for something, looking for purpose, all of these things. And every single one of us tonight is looking for those things too, looking to be loved, looking to find a purpose on the earth. What is the meaning of my life? Why am I here? Looking to find answers for questions like, what happens after I die? Have you ever wondered that? But we just keep running around in circles hoping that the next lap will bring the answers. And how many know this system is a broken system? Amen. It's broken. It doesn't work. And the results are just a bunch of piles of broken people just scattered around the track. Just people just broken. That's the world that Jesus came in to save. That's the world we live in tonight, which brings us to the scripture that I want to read. In John chapter 19, if you could open your Bibles there, we're going to look at the actual moment of Jesus' death and his final words. And before we read it, um, just so you know, Jesus up to this point has been um, betrayed by Judas. He's been condemned. He's been tortured. He's been uh, whipped by a cat of nine tails, almost to the point of death. Then they made him, they, they made fun of him, they mocked him, they were scoffers. They made him carry his cross on like a death march up a hill to the place where they eventually put nails in his hands and his feet and just hung him there to die. And he hung there for hours, suffering. And it's at this point we read in John chapter 19, verse 30, they had just given him a, given him a drink. And it says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. It's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's it. Those were his last words. It is finished. And he died. It was over. Darkness fell over the world. Now, if you're new to Christianity or maybe just kind of hanging out at church or whatever, somebody invited you, and you probably, if you've been in America, you know, any certain amount of time, you're probably familiar with kind of what Christianity is about. You know, like Jesus died on a cross for some reason, and I don't know, there's like a forgiveness thing involved. And, but I, like, when I think about it, why did he have to die? You know, like, doesn't that seem a kind of extreme like, why couldn't we just, like, say I'm sorry, <laughs> you know? I mean, why couldn't we get, just give him a handshake? Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sins. Or, or sign a contract or something. Like, hey, I, I promise I'll never do it again. That would have been fine for, with me. But, I mean, why did he have to die? That seems so extreme. Well, the answers are found in Scripture. If you look in the book of Romans, chapter 3, Paul is writing to you and I today, I believe. And he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, every single person who's ever lived, ever, in any country, anywhere, at any time, with the only exception of Jesus Christ, has sinned, including you and including me. All have sinned. And then if you fast forward just three chapters to chapter six, Paul says, so with that being the case, the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. And so a lot of people look at that and go, man, this, see, this is why I don't like God. This is like, I thought God is supposed to love. The wages of sin is death, dude, what? That doesn't sound like a loving God. 
But you know what? It's actually because God loves you and me so much and every person who has ever lived, he loves us to this level that's so great that he didn't want us to die and be separated from him. Because that's what death does. It separates us from God. That's what sin does. Separates us from God. The same thing is true. We know God is loving, but he is also a holy God. He is a sovereign God. And he has created the law, and that law is righteous. It cannot be changed. Even God will not change it because it's righteous. And so therefore, if there is a sin, which we have all done, there must be a death. It's just the requirement. It's just the way it is. So when it comes down to it, it was either going to be him or you. It was either going to be him or me. Somebody had to die. We couldn't just sign a contract. We couldn't just do a handshake. Somebody has to die. And so God chose instead to sacrifice his son, Jesus. So you don't have to die and go to hell. Isn't that incredible? That is like, he didn't deserve that. Jesus didn't deserve it. He's considered the worthy lamb of God, the spotless, unblemished, pure, never did a thing wrong in his life. God. And then he has to die? Isn't that incredible? He chose to sacrifice Jesus so you and I don't have to die and go to hell. How many know that's what true love looks like? That is incredible. There's, there's a, I, I, I love the concept of love and, and the act of love here on earth. And there's some incredible things that have happened from an earthly perspective of love in my life. But nothing compares to the love that Jesus has displayed by giving his life. The world can't even come close to expressing or showing that kind of love that Jesus did. Amen? That's true love. And so with that in mind, with that level of love, we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean when Jesus says, it is finished? It is finished, he said, and and then he died. Did it simply just mean that he's been hanging on the cross for so long, he's been tortured physically so long that he's like, this hurts so bad, and I can tell I got about one breath left, one breath left, and it's finished, I'm finally going to be out of pain. Or did it maybe mean something more? And if you look at the Greek uh, translation of the word finished, you'll find out some really fascinating things that Jesus meant way more than just like, finally it's over. If you look at these, this word finished, there's the Greek translation is this word teleo. And there's another possible uh, translation of the word that's called tetelestai. And these words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote from an author, Warren Wearsby, out of his book, Transformed. He talks about the meaning of these words and how powerful they are. He says, in the Old Testament, when a priest examined an animal sacrifice, they'd bring the sacrifices to the temple, right? And they'd say, like, it's got to be a perfect one. And, and, and they'd examine those, and the priest found it faultless. This word, teleo, or tetelestai, would apply, he would say, it's finished. Yeah, this one looks good. I can't find anything wrong with it. It is finished. Teleo. The meaning of the word can also be applied to the debt being paid in full. That's it, in full. Wearsby says, when he gave himself on the cross, Jesus fully met the righteous demands of a holy law. 
He paid our debt in full. Somebody say amen. None of, this is really cool. Check this out. None of the Old Testament sacrifices could take away sin. Their blood only covered sin. But the Lamb of God shed his blood, and that blood can take away the sins of the world. Teleo, it is finished. It is paid in full. He is saying that our sins are paid for. Ever get goosebumps? I just got goosebumps, and I'm wearing a really hot jacket. I just got it right there. It is finished. Remember, I read that scripture in Romans 6. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Sorry. But I didn't read the rest of the sentence. The next part says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is a free gift that Jesus just went to the cross and was like, here you go. I'll go. I'll do it. And guess what we get as a result? We get eternal life in heaven. In heaven, death causes a separation, but, he, but heaven is paradise forever. On that cross that day, Jesus was standing. He was right between two thieves, and one, and one of them was like being a total butt and like mocking, and you're like, you're the worst. You can't, why don't you get yourself down? And the other one was repentant. Was like, I see that you truly are the son of God, and man, if you could just remember me, when you go into your kingdom, I'd, re- I'd appreciate that. I deserve what I get. That's a repentant heart. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You get eternal life. That guy couldn't have walked out and, and be like, okay, give me, give me another week before I die on this cross because I'm going to earn, I'm going to prove that I, I'm a good person. No, nope, that's it. He's just like, my, I, all I have is my heart. <laughs> and it's repentant. And Jesus is like, dude, got you, man. Got you. Eternal life, it is finished. Now, I want to address a question that I I get quite often. I know a lot of people deal with. um, And it's this question right here. What if I can't forgive myself? Like, you don't know what I've done. I've done some stuff. And and I've literally heard people, you know, throughout the years say, I I understand and I appreciate, you know, Jesus forgave me of my sins, but, um, but I'm, I'm just really struggling to forgive myself. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're like, yeah, I just can't move on. I just can't move on. Well, if that's you, then I just want to tell you that you're still running around that track with no finish line. Jesus is like, it's finished. What are you running for? It's finished. And you're like, hold on. I, I got like a thousand more laps to do, you know? That's what it's like. It's, it's like being, being grateful for Jesus' forgiveness, but then at the same time, trying to earn forgiveness for yourself is the same thing as ignoring Jesus' death on the cross. It's, it's kind of like saying, hey, I appreciate the effort, Jesus, but um, it's not good enough for me. So I, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands when it was actually Jesus' hands that were nailed to the cross in your place, right? Like... Do you understand? It is finished. It's finished. You don't have to do that. Jesus is like, can you please, please stop running? Please stop running. Come hang out with me. All you have to do is receive it. This is the best news that the world has ever known. 
It's called the gospel. That it's the good news of Jesus Christ. The best news the world has ever known. But I, wanted, I want you to know this. There's actually something that can make it even better, if you can believe it. And it's this. Knowing what the alternative is. You thought I was going to say Easter, which is good. The resurrection is awesome. But what makes it even better tonight is knowing what the alternative is. In other words, what happens, what if I choose not to receive Jesus? What if I choose not to receive his forgiveness? What happens? And let's just be honest. A lot of people in in our world, our community today are in that boat. They're like, yeah, I understand he died for my sins, but I'm I'm just not really interested. Whatever. Like, what? What's going to happen? Well, here's what's going to happen. Death. Death. Now, you might be saying, everybody dies. Everybody dies. You're right. Everybody does, does die a physical death. But I'm talking not only a physical death that was probably going to be terrible, worse than apart from Jesus' physical death, excuse me, with Jesus' physical death, but I'm talking about a spiritual death. I'm talking about when that guy, the thief on the cross, was, had a repentant heart and he said, remember we, me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus was like, you'll be with me today in paradise. But the other guy was like, I don't want anything to do with you. Literally looking at his savior dying on a cross for him. I don't want anything to do with you. That guy died a spiritual death that day. And he experienced the opposite of paradise eternal death in a torturous place called hell. How many know forever is a long time? Long time. The consequences for this are massive. Massive. You look at Judas, we just talk about not only spiritual death, but the physical death. You look at Judas, was, was one of his, uh, was Jesus' disciple. And Judas was like, I don't really like how things are, are progressing here. I think I'm going to take things into my own hands. I'm going to let some people know what's going on. Maybe I could get paid because I got some juicy information. Yeah, I think I'll do that. He's like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to take it in my own hands. I got this. Right? Thanks anyway, Jesus. And so he does. He goes and he betrays Jesus and he gets paid a bunch of silver. And sure enough, what he wanted to happen, happened. Jesus gets condemned and he gets crucified. And you would think Judas would be like, yes, I'm in control now. I got this. It worked out the way I wanted. But instead, Judas was overcome with guilt, overwhelmed with what he did. And he immediately took that money and tried to give it back because it was blood money. And he had to throw it back like, I can't even touch that. And he said he went immediately out into a field and committed suicide by hanging Now, you need to know that suicide is the ultimate goal of the devil for every single person here. Like, he's not just here to mess with you or trip you up a little bit. He's not here just to tempt you with some, maybe a little bit extra alcohol or or look at a little something you shouldn't be looking. That's not his only goal. His goal is to kill you. Do you understand? That is the, the physical death that Judas experienced on top of a spiritual death of eternity in hell. And it's really important for you to know that because the consequences are massive, are massive 
for rejecting what has freely been given to you. Massive. That's why Jesus decided to do something massive by like going to a cross. He was like, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's going to be the horrible and I don't deserve it, but it's worth it. It's worth it, man. So I'm going to go to the cross in everybody else's place. And so he died. So you don't have to. Isn't that incredible? That's life changing, man. That's eternity changing. And so if you don't allow your sins to be nailed to Jesus' cross, then you are allowing them to be nailed to yourself. This is Jesus' cross up here. This represents Jesus' cross, not yours. He was nailed to that cross. He, he bore our sins. And so if you're like, eh, I'm good. It's like taking the nails and the hammers that we have up here tonight and just being like, hold on, let me, uh, let me get that pride right in there. Let me get that lust in here. How many know you're going to bleed out? You're going to die. If you're walking around with all these nails in you, you're going to die. That's no way to live. It's a good way to die. Not to mention it's really going to hurt. You're going to get an infection, right? I mean, I'm just, it's a really good analogy. We need to give our sins to Jesus. We need to let those be nailed to his cross because he already did it for us. It is finished. It's finished. So listen. We who call ourselves Christ followers, man, we have become so incredibly humbled by this powerful act of love. Man, I am just humbled by it every day. And so humbled that, that we have all, we've given our lives to serving him and helping more people more often, just like you and everybody in this room and everybody watching online, helping you say yes to God. This is a yes moment. This is a, a night where we get to say yes. It's the easiest yes you'll ever get to have to say in your life. It's like, this is a no-brainer. I'm in. Yes. Sign me up. Where's the hammer? Where's the nail? Yes. Right? In fact, the vision of this church is turning broken people just like you and me, people who've been running around the track endlessly, broken people into relentless, loving servants of Jesus Christ. Man, when you really grasp what Jesus has done for you on the cross, it's like, dude, I, I happily will serve you and give you my life. Dude, I'm in. Like, I, every other alternative is not even close, not even an option. I, this is so amazing. I'm in. And so we declare right alongside of Jesus tonight over everybody here, it is finished. It's done. The endless running in circles has come to an end.